Welcome to the Prepare to Win Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Oliver, here at Dean Lee. Uh, today we're going to get into some topics on nutrition uh, and some other things. I promised a lot of my clients that I would make this video, um, but I'm just going to do it on here, talking a little bit about nutrition and variables as far as um, things that can fluctuate your weight on week to week. So to give some background as to why I was going to make that video, um, this tends to happen a lot with people and in I'm not sure. Um, I, I've told some people to weigh themselves and kind of test these things and some information I'm going to give you guys. Um, this is because I, from cutting, from doing different things, I kind of understand um, how my body works and I've seen it with others. So, um, plus, I'm just going to give you some simple facts. Um, but what's happening is a lot of times people will gain, let's say, two pounds in a week or something and they'll freak out and they'll say, well, I, you know, stuck to my macros and I don't know what went wrong. Okay. First things first, you're not going to continuously lose weight. You're not going to continuously, um, gain weight. You're, you know, sometimes you're going to be stagnant for a minute. And even on your way down, there's little stepping stones and your way up, there's little stepping stones. He said, it's never going to be just this linear drop off. Now you might find maintenance and you might be sitting there for a little bit and guess what? Yes, you're going to have to increase output or you're going to have to lower the food. Um, but there's so many other things that go into that um, and where your weight is at at that time. All right. So to kind of also get people to understand you may weigh let's say you weigh the same you may weigh the same eat the same for let's just call it let's say you you, you weighed the same ate the same for two years all right okay it is possible for your body composition to change drastically in those two years because of building muscle losing fat all right so i've seen this a lot where i've had people that have been on nutrition for years and have only fluctuated at any point. Um, perfect, great example, Lindsay. You know, she um, has fluctuated. Let's let's just call it uh, a seven or eight pound window now for years, but her body looks completely different than it used to. Um, and other clients have had where their body weight might again fluctuate five, six, seven pounds over a couple years, but they look completely different. All right. It's not this matter of that you need to cut way down or you need to bulk way up and then you need to come way down. It's not exactly that game all the time. Sometimes you can literally stay within those few pounds and completely change how you look. But over time, it's not going to happen every two weeks. Um, you know, your macros aren't going to change all the time. Like, there's some people, yes, their macros will change fairly often because we're in the beginning stages, but I've had people where their macros only change once every few months, mm -hmm. all right? And some people might look at that like, well, well, then why do I pay for nutrition? Well, then you're paying for that guidance so you don't go off track, so you don't get in your own head, so you don't think you need to eat less and then your performance suffers. Um, so we can look into other things that are are deeper into play as far as hormones and things like that. Um, and that, that goes on another point, like, you know, don't as a coach, like don't ever come to me about X problem 
that is clearly could be hormonal or, you know, even your macros and your, you know, your body and maybe not changing this, that until you get testing done on your nutrient values and your hormones, uh, you haven't put in everything that you could be putting in to your own nutrition. So that's, that's another thing right there. All right. To keep kind of going on before I get on a long rant, um, here's what I wanted to really make the video on. All right. So a lot of people that I train are powerlifters or they're some kind of performance athlete. Um, sometimes I do bodybuilders and things like that. As far as like, uh, I've done bikini competitors figure, you know, you've seen them, um, the physique guys, you know, stuff like that. Um, performance athletes are completely different in the sense, like I'm not going to sit there and drag down your food extremely low because we have to worry about that performance. If you want to lose weight, get lean, all that cool, bro. Like we can do that. But if I'm not taking an account and we don't have to worry about performance, it's completely different mm -hmm. because if I have to worry about performance, I have to look at more factors. If it's just a simply, you know, retain some muscle, lose some body fat, get shredded up or whatever, that's completely different. And I can drag that food fairly low for, for my standards, um, and get you there. But some things people need to understand these weight fluctuations and it, it kills me to think that I, I don't, I don't know if people just don't think about it or maybe I'm just fucking weird. <laughs> I love stats, but you guys got to understand like the amount of sodium you eat is going to fluctuate based on water. We all know that, right? I'm willing to bet most people out there have not, don't understand how much um, weight you drop when you pee. So this is a big thing here, right? And I've, I've tested this even with some of these upper-level clients I've had. And I've asked them, I said, do you know how much you pee like per time, mm -hmm. how, much your, how much body weight you lose? And no one ever thinks to check this, all right? Maybe, again, I'm just a weird stats person. Nope. But <laughs> um, you're going to pee out an average of a half pound to a pound per time you pee, mm -hmm. all right? So, for example, if you ate a bunch of sodium and let's say you jumped – two pounds or something. And let's say you haven't been peeing as much and you haven't drank enough water to flush that back out and get everything gone. All right. You're going to retain that, that couple pounds a little longer. All right. The opposite end of the spectrum, you're going to pee a lot. You're peeing all the time. It seems like, right. Um, and you drop another two or three pounds. All right. Everyone needs to be aware of stuff like that. Like how often are you going to the bathroom can make a huge difference. I've literally pissed out. And this is no lie. Like I've pissed out four pounds in a night. All right. So, you know, understand what, what you're doing with your body in terms of how often you're going to the bathroom and what you're putting back in as far as hydration. All right. I know this about myself. Anytime like I, I'm peeing a lot or whatever and I don't feel as like full and stuff like that, I know automatically my weight is going to be way down. Mm -hmm. I can tell that, right? Um, and this can happen even if you do eat a high-sodium meal. That, that sodium um, usually takes maybe a little under a day, all right? Uh, depends how much water you really drink. But let's just say on average a little bit under a day to flush back out. It's called a day and a half, like 16 hours ish, mm -hmm. somewhere through there. Um, to start flushing back out. What I mean by that is 
um, just like if you if you've heard about water manipulation, things like that, you're you're going to pull more water as you're drinking in and that sodium is going to drop and that's going to pull water as well. And you'll find yourself going to the bathroom all the time, right? As long as you're continuing to drink water, a lot of times you end up, uh, shooting back under what you were before. All right. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing. All right. So hopefully everyone understands that you fucking pee, understand how much you pee. <laughs> all right. If you eat sodium, understand all that. Okay, the next one, this one's even bigger, poop, all right? This is another, I I don't know if anyone knows about this, but everyone poops, right? I hope you do, all right? So, again, the human body, we do this thing, we, we, we go to the bathroom, right? We go poop. Your poop inside of you, if you're backed up, especially, or you haven't been going as much, um, you can have five to 10 pounds sitting inside of you. Now that's also if we completely, you know, especially upright in a spectrum, we're talking like if we completely like flushed you out, you know, if you, uh, have ever gone through like scopes or surgeries or anything where you've had to do that, you know exactly how that goes. All right. Um, <clears throat> but at any given point, you know, a quarter pound to a pound can drop out of your body. All right. Um, if you haven't been going as much and you know, that classic, I feel bloated thing. Mm -hmm. All right. That's fucking normal. It not normal to be in the sense to be backed up, but it is normal that everyone has experienced this where you're bloated and your body's backed up. And right there, you could be holding an extra two to three pounds automatically, Mm -hmm. you know, not that uh, it doesn't take a very big human to hold uh, two to three pounds. All right. So understand that as well. That's why I harp on getting foods through your body that are one, have nutrient value, but also ensure that everything's going to be continuing to run right. Right. Um, And that, of course, that's different for people. Some people don't handle certain foods as well. Um, Some people, you know, they they do. you know, high fiber or something. Some people can't, I can't do high fiber. I'm not, you know, not allowed Crohn's disease can't do high fiber. All right. Um, but it takes an average of about 33 hours. I think it is to run the system. So from eating digestion through the, uh, the bowels and out. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, of course, if you eat something terrible and, you know, those oils or those whatever kind of get through your system a little bit, you know, that can make you go a little quicker, but, um, understand again, just these two variables, pee and poop, that can be a three to five pound fluctuation very easily, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, when you guys are tracking all these things. It's not, I understand everyone thinks it's calories in calories out. It's just food that that's two variables. I'm not even down the list of like all the variables I can go into. We're talking pee and poop Two human functions can, can drastically change your body weight. And this is why when you get close to cut time or making weight, I start to limit foods. And this is why you do it with bodybuilding as well. You start to limit and pull foods that basically won't be in the body that long, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and you make sure that some of the gassy vegetables, leafy vegetables are out 
because those cause gas and bloating and backups. So um, you want to add on to that before I, I keep rolling here? I'm just enjoying this. I think it's kind of funny. You know, yeah. talk about. Um, but one of the things you said, I think it's really important to highlight going back just a little bit where you said you can have the same macros for multiple months and someone could look at that and say, why am I even paying for that? Yep. You're not paying for macros at that point. You're paying for the person's knowledge to let you know to continue doing to stay the right the same, thing. Yeah. Right. They're looking at what is happening and taking in, like you said, a number of factors, not just the variables you talked yeah. about, but also what do they have coming up for their training? What have they been going through? What is the overall goal? How long yeah. out they are, et cetera. And knowing that, all right, this is the result that we were looking for. We need to do it again and yeah. now do it again. Yeah. And knowing that if we do that, they're going to have the bigger picture in mind. So yeah, we're going to do it for like three months just so we can make the change that we need to make at month four. Mm-hmm. So looking down the road, that's a really important one. Um, the idea of retention of sodium is, I see it from my perspective a lot as similar to like the retention of inflammation that yeah. people have where you can have someone at the end of a deload they're going to go through a period where they have a lot of inflammation because Mm -hmm. suddenly their body um, stops producing as much cortisol and like three, four days into the deload, all of a sudden they're like, everything hurts. Like my joints hurt. I feel like I'm bloated. Like my fingers and toes feel swollen for that reason. Like you decrease the cortisol production and that's a potent Mm anti-inflammatory. And so now all of a sudden you could jump weight quite a bit because the body starts retaining that. And then what happens a couple of days later, your body goes through the inflammatory process and they just start pissing like crazy and drops off. Yep. And that's a really important point, whether it's from the training as a result, whether it's from an injury that's going on, mm-hmm. whether, like you said, as far as the bloating, they eat something that they shouldn't Yeah. and bloating occurs. I mean, you could jump several pounds almost overnight, mm-hmm. you know, depending like with Crohn's with celiacs, there are a number mm-hmm. of other people who have strong sensitivities. Um, and you could see a massive change and you're like, what did I do? What went wrong? Like, nothing. That's a very, like you said, it's not a good reaction, but it's a common reaction that it happens to lots of people, Yeah. but they might not be aware that they're doing this to themselves and how long that's going to take and what it means. So they could look at it and think, oh no, like my macros are off. All of a sudden this week I gained four pounds. No, you didn't. Yeah, it's not it's not the macros like your input output didn't change that drastically to gain you're not to gain three four pounds in a week. Right now, if it's something that rapidly starts to change and it's holding, then we look into things like hormones and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Like because it, it could be like oh here's the start of some kind of problem, um, thyroid issue, whatever you know what I mean. Yeah, that your weight kind of just sends you know goes up over the course of let's say two months three months we know that's probably the start of something like that that's why it's important to get that testing um but yeah the input output like you don't just magically jump four pounds in a week and everything's fine that's why when people come to me with um i had a guy this past week he came to me a nine pound gain or eight pound gain over the week and had he not admitted to me that he just went completely off track I would have been asking that question like, okay, what did you do? Mm-hmm. Because it doesn't matter at that point, the inflammation, the this, the that, you don't, you don't jump that much just by right. following your macros and training and stuff. Um, you know, on the inflammation side, I know we talked about it in the, the podcast with Chloe. Um, that's something I noticed with her, um, that she's one that does hold that more than others. And, and that could be, you know, the sizable weights that she was lifting. And, mm-hmm. and at the time she was 
pretty pretty good into a prep you know decently into it so hitting some heavy weights but um yeah that's another thing that people don't understand um typically for me during a deload i try to give them as much food as they can to recover mm-hmm. um but also understanding that output is a little less i think i try to bring that especially on the carb side i try to bring that down just a little bit mm-hmm. um enough to recover but also enough um because I know that balance is going to happen with right. with cortisol and everything else and, and like you said, the inflammation. So we try to kind of counterbalance that. Um, but it's, yeah, it's like you said, like people, I, I don't know where they get it from that your macro should change all the time. I had a guy uh, not long ago that said that like his macros were like the same for like, you know, it was like six or seven weeks. And he didn't realize like you're in the starting point you're dropping he was dropping about a pound a week okay why the fuck would i change anything yeah we we're not we haven't found where this maintenance point is we haven't mm-hmm. found you know at first it was probably some water and then you're dropping a pound a week all right where are we ending here right why would we speed that up you're feeling good in training like why why would we do any of that you know but people want to go from a to b so fast well, I mean, if a little is good, then we should yeah. do more and that's better, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Especially when you have 20, 30 pound goals to lose weight, you know, on, on some of these uh, men and women, like come to me with like, I want to lose, you know, 30 pounds. It's like, okay, well, th- this isn't going to happen in two months. And I try to explain that to them. Mm-hmm. Like, we're not going to do that. Um, I think everyone needs to, to have that patience and, and it's so hard to get them to understand because they see the bullshit online of, oh, it's just calories in, calories out. Right. No, it's not. In a sense, yes, but no, it's not. Like that is a crucial concept and aspect yeah. of it, but there's a lot more that goes on yeah. past that. Yeah. yeah. The sodium you, intake is really important because, mm-hmm. I mean, going along, not to go too far into it because I know we're talking about the different variables, but if you have people who hear that and they're like, well, I'll just prevent having too much sodium. Like I'll track it, but I won't have too much. Realize that like your sodium intake is going in your needs for it are going to vary depending on where you are in the recovery process. Like mm-hmm. sodium is a crucial aspect for the medulla in order to produce cortisol. Like there are vital nutrients involved in that, that it has to have. So you can have a period of time where you need more sodium or need less sodium. Yeah. Um, and those are things that you want to bear in mind because you could be thinking to yourself, Oh, I'm going to cut back on sodium. So I don't have so much water retention, get to a point where you need more of it. And then actually have an increase in how much inflammation takes place or how long the inflammation takes place because mm-hmm. you don't have the necessary nutrients. Like you got to keep a lot of these things in mind, even if you don't know the full depth of them. You have to keep that in mind that the variables and how they're influenced, like it's a constant fluctuation, but you, that's why you want a coach to look at it. Yeah. yeah and even to go on that. You know, of course, we're, we're in strength sports. There's people, you know, people are taking things, mm-hmm. you know. So especially if you come to me and you start taking some form of, of PED, I know generally what I've seen mm-hmm. and what certain PEDs do, okay? But doesn't mean I know exactly what it's going to do to your body, especially if I've never seen you on it before, you know. So, um you get some people that, you know, will jump 
couple pounds on a certain compound and mm. you get people I'll jump 10, you know? Mm. So it's like, it, it, we don't know until we get to that point. And especially it seems like everyone now is trying to cut, trying to cut, trying to cut. And they're not taking into account all those factors. Like, especially if you're someone who's banking on the PED helping you cut, that's not, that's kind of counter. Like you shouldn't, you shouldn't rely on, okay, I'm going to get to this point 10 weeks out, nine Mm -hmm. weeks out. I'm going to add this PED and it's going to help me cut and to get to this point. Cool. Like that, that would be nice for a little help or whatever, if it does truly help you in that sense, but don't bank on it. The assistance of it. Because what worked the last time might not work again. Right. You know, so. The hormone aspect right there is really important because you mentioned before you have somebody who is on the same macros and they don't actually see much of a weight fluctuation for Mm -hmm. several months. But if you look at the composition, that could be changing the entire time where like the body fat's decreasing, the muscle mass and like, or the fat free mass is increasing as you're going through. That's going to change hormone levels. Like we know that, like if you have more muscle mass, your body produces more testosterone and like a lot of other things that go along with it. So yeah. if that's happening, but again, come back to your point, like go get tested on things no. that has an effect on macro needs and on what happens down the road too. Mm-hmm. So you can have the same macros for let's say three or four months. You have this composition change that's going on. Not a lot that's different on the scale, but you know, from a visual aspect, you might, you'll see changes, right? Mm -hmm. But hormonally, what's really important, and those hormone changes go on potentially for months or years if you're maintaining that. If you suddenly decide, well, I'm going to go on some kind of PED at, let's say, four months in, Mm -hmm. to your point, you're right. You do it again 12 months later when you could have the same weight, but again, a completely different body composition. Yep. Now your hormones are still different from what they mm-hmm. were before, and it can affect you that much more differently. Exactly. And everyone, in a sense, is different on, on like, the metabolism side of it all. Um, here's the thing. When you hold excess body fat, all right, and when, when you're not just excess, but you're pretty overweight, your body is not going to burn at the same rate as someone that's ultra lean. Mm-hmm. It's just not. Sorry to burst your bubble. So when people, you know, want to maintain these high weight classes and think they need to eat everything in sight to do it, you know, you're only destroying your body, you know, and and, and this is a big fear thing, uh, especially among men. Like they're afraid that they're going to lose all their strength if they get smaller and things like that. If you're pretty fucking jacked at mm-hmm. that size. Okay. But you have to understand when you've, put yourself in this position of being, you know, overweight or have more body fat than what you should at a certain weight. One, it's not, you took your whole life or what, 15 years, 10 years to put it on. Mm -hmm. It's not going to come just directly off real quick. It's that's one big thing there. Mm -hmm. Two, I understand wanting to be in certain weight classes. I understand how, you know, powerlifting. I went, from, I, I mean, I gained the, at the highest point, like 50 fucking pounds during my powerlifting time. Mm-hmm. All right. So, you know, when I started, um, I would say when I started actually competing, you know, my first meet, I weighed like, 
I mean, I don't even think I cut or anything, maybe a pound or two, you know, okay. weighed in at 198 or whatever. All right. To the point where at my 242 class, I was having to watch my weight this last meet or two. Mm-hmm. I was having to kind of watch it that last week. Um, I knew, you know, cutting some things, I'd pee a lot or whatever. But, um, you know, you look at that span of weight and I mean, I don't think I'm obese. I don't think no. I have an extremely high body fat. You know, you get little fuck boys that can't lift for shit that might say something, but it's like, I don't, uh, anytime I've ever tested my body fat, I think the highest it's been to is maybe 15%. Okay. Yeah. Um, 14 point something, you know, and I know from my body through experimentation, once I hit about that 11, 11 and a half range, mm-hmm. um, that is a time when like strength starts to feel a little off and, and just, it just doesn't feel as good. You know what I mean? And maybe that's just my, you know, me in general, just with joints and things like that. Um, you know, it's just the way my body works. There are some people that can stay, you know, there's some people in powerlifting right now, 10, 11% that are fucking strong, Mm -hmm. you know? So, um, now could they be stronger if they added three, 4% body fat? Probably, you know? But um, they're not going to go add 10, 15% body fat. Right. You know, so um, if you want to be in those upper classes and you want to force feed and you want to stay up there and all that, that's all well and good. But at the same time, yawning. Um, at the same time, understand the, like, the risks you're putting on your body for, for, for what? I mean, if you're at the top of the weight class and you're top dog, mm-hmm. you know, top 20, okay, I get it. But, you know, a lot of people, this, this mentality of like, I have to remain in these upper weight classes. Um, I guess I could say the, the opposite effect is there's people that constantly want to cut to be more competitive in the lower weight classes. Mm -hmm. I think for, for most part, you just need to find your balance of health, health ish, because it's never going to be completely healthy. Right. Um, if you're in a performance sport, there's always going to be an aspect <laughs> yeah. of it that's not healthy. That's not healthy, yeah. It doesn't matter what performance sport you're in. Um, so, you know, you're going to have to find that balance for you, plain and simple. But I just want everyone to be aware of the variables, um, of the human functions, you know. And those are a few things because I, I could go off on other stuff. and I, I, I think those are the base points. If you can understand how much you're peeing, pooping, you know, sodium intake, stuff Mm -hmm. like that. And, and understanding your, your times during deload and inflammation, you know, through the cycle and things like that. Um, then, then that will help you. You know, Mm -hmm. I do think there's some people that I, I, you know, I do their nutrition. I don't think their programming's right either. There, there's a reason that when people are programmed under me and I run their nutrition, those are always the best results. Because I control everything then, mm-hmm. right? And there's coaches out there that aren't having their clients do enough. And there's coaches that aren't having or, you know, not having their clients do any form of cardio work at all. And by I mean cardio, I mean just simple simple walks or anything. Yeah. Um, and, you know, not to say my clients do it constantly, but if you look at like some of my programming and what people are on, there's some volume in there to compensate for that mm-hmm. and you know it's all a game it's all a game of trying to figure out their fatigue and things like that yeah but um you know by and large this is why 
you know, clients keep getting better. And this is why, you know, some of these girls are adding three, 400 pounds, you know, start, I've taken some of them from the very beginning, you know, or ish. And they're, you know, adding 300 pounds to their total without PEDs. So there's a reason for that. Lo and behold. Yeah. So, um, anyway, uh, we got questions that came in or I've got a couple. All right. Let's answer those. Uh, first question, what is the most important recovery tool after sleep and food? I'm sorry, is that again? What is it? What is the most important recovery tool after sleep and food? Sleep and food? Um, besides those, I mean, obviously like stress, because stress can yeah. can play a huge toll on your body. Your body, it, it, you know, we're not just talking like, you know, your whoever pissed you off that day, you mm-hmm. know, or that guy, woman, whoever cut you off in traffic, right? Stress. We're talking like, you know, it could be training stress, could be, um, you know, any type of stress. Your body just knows stress, and that that will tear you apart. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and how you manage that. Yeah, that's a whole other mental aspect of things. Yeah. Which don't come to me for, I, I, I'm a warrior. So, um, I handle stress in my own Italian genetic type of way of throwing fists and cussing. So it's like moving meditation. So I look at it. People think I'm angry. No, I'm meditating. Yeah. These are my mantras. This is helping me (laughs) when I'm sitting here ranting, cussing and moving my hands around. That's just me. That's just me feeling better. Yep. So it's just like angry yoga. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'd agree with that. I think stress management because what does sleep do? It helps with stress management. And what does nutrition do? It helps with stress management. What, what do you see when people don't eat enough? You see stress on the body because it can't recover from what it's putting itself through. And that's when you start to see prolonged inflammation damage the tissues. Yeah. Uh, what happens when someone doesn't sleep enough? They don't have the opportunity to deal with the stresses that have been put on the system, whether those are physical stresses and it needs to clear inflammation and produce growth hormone and uh, testosterone during times. Um, If it's stress that happens nutritionally and like a big portion of IGF-1 occurs during sleep and insulin sensitivity. So you could look at stress that way. I think, like I agree with you, people look at stress and they think just like life stress, like, oh, I don't feel stressed out. Well, like we've talked about on earlier episodes as a double-edged sword to it is that the body's really good at adapting Mm -hmm. to what it feels is stressful. That doesn't change the fact that those things that you are now used to aren't still stressful. And the body doesn't differentiate. Like if you have some kind of like psychological reaction to something stressing you out, it doesn't really interpret that much differently than a physiological one. Yeah. So you putting a barbell on your back and squatting several hundred pounds, even though there is definitely a physical aspect of that that the body has to recover from, from a mental and emotional side, that's as stressful as being late to work, mm-hmm. being late getting home, having a fight with your significant other, or mm-hmm. like having something go wrong with your kids, etc. Like all these things, you know, yeah. whether financial, whatever. The body has to deal with those as much as it has to deal with the mental recovery of training. Mm-hmm. And if you're carrying one of those into the other, like at a certain point, like you simply can't recover from everything. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And that's, um, 
that's where we always talk about us old motherfuckers. We always tell you guys, um, you young people that are in like your early twenties, even again, mid twenties, depending on what you're doing. Um, you don't have problems. I I'm telling you now, like coming from someone who thought he had a lot of problems, I did have a lot of problems, but <laughs> I mean, I'm not even going to lie. I can't sugarcoat. I haven't had an easy life, but, um, you know, your, your problems now, I promise you wait until five, six, seven, eight, ten 10 years from now. Um, your pro like life doesn't get easier ever. You learn how to manage certain situations, but as you gain more responsibilities, um, outside of all of this, your recovery will go down. I promise you. Mm -hmm. Or your, your, well, your program is going to have to change probably mm -hmm. to adapt to that recovery. So, um, this is what we always talk about too, with people. Um, we've always said this when people think like, oh, you own a gym. Like it's gotta be easy for you to work out. Fuck no. I still own a small business. Like, right. um, and if you own a small business or have attempted to own a small business or know someone owns a small business, talk to them a lot. You understand what I'm talking about. Um, it is not a nine to five job. Sure. You might go to your nine to five and your boss might piss you off that day or your coworker. Guess what? You get to go home and not fucking care. You know, if you really want to, if you when think you about leave, it, you get to leave it all behind. Yeah. If you think about it, you get to go home and who fuck them. You get to go back the next day and collect your paycheck and make your money. Mm -hmm. Now in some realms, yes, it does get competitive and you're trying to get higher up. Cool. Um, but running a small business is brutal. It's, yep. it's there's a reason <laughs> that only 5% of the people in the world are capable of doing it. And, and that's a true statistic. Um, you know, there's a reason that for every 10 years, only about 1%, 2% of small business survive for 10 years. Mm -hmm. Um, and you can, you know, go run the Google and see how hard it is. There's very, it seems like everyone's an entrepreneur and everyone's running a business and shit, but it's not, it's not that way. There's literally, it's something like 5% of the people in the world, um, are capable of doing it for that reason. Yeah, a lot so, of people think they're entrepreneurs for about six to 12 months. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, it's not an easy task. So you're going to carry a lot of stress, um, <clears throat> with that. And, you know, people with, with kids and stuff and different things, if you have kids, you understand this, like mm. you'll understand that, um, and especially from just the financial side, you have financial obligation to help these kids, you know, grow and feed them and, you know, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, have make sure I have a place to sleep. Make sure you're not living on the streets, stuff like that. So that's like stresses that can come into play. You know what I mean? Yep. So as you age, you're only going to develop more of these stressors. Mm -hmm. You know, when you're, you know, 18, 19, 20, 21 years old, probably the biggest stress, I think for anyone that's came up through that age, um, as a whole, you know, I know everyone's different as a whole is just figuring out what the fuck you want to do with your life. Yeah. That's probably the hardest stress you have. Like, you know, you either go to school or you get a job or you sit in your parents' basement. I mean, it's like kind ABC. of, how, you know, it's kind of how it goes. Um, you know, and some people are, uh, you know, they have different circumstances. It's not, yeah. it's not that simple, but there are exceptions. Too. Um, you know, your, your stresses when you're young are different when you're, when you're old and the people that are 20 years older than us, they have different stresses than we do. And mm -hmm. so it's all, it's all, you know, you got to understand it and base your training around that and stuff. So anyway, that was a long winded question answer. So 
That's good though. Yeah. Uh, number two, thoughts on fish oil and multivitamins, especially for older athletes. Uh, it's one of them things for for me in my mind. Why not take it? There's no there's no risk. Well, for uh, for most people, there's no reason to not take it. You know, right. um, for those that might have some kind of uh, blood condition. Yeah, as far as for, you know, getting for, too thin. Yeah, for some you you have yeah. to be careful and you might not be able to that you can actually get that tested though too. So you can, um, let your doctor know if you think that you might have like some kind of issues, let your doctor know that you start taking it. They'll probably, you know, you probably need to take it for you know, eight to 12 weeks or something. And then they can test your blood and see how well it clots. Mm-hmm. If you're truly worried about it too. Um, I know like with me, I was going in for something and they had trouble clotting my blood. And it's because I was this uh, FSH fish oil I take mm-hmm. must be extremely fucking potent because <laughs> I've never had that issue before. And I told them I took that. They're like, oh, OK, we'll stop that and come back in two weeks. Stopped it. Came back in two weeks. Everything was fine. Hmm. So um, I've never had any sort of uh, problem with that. But apparently that fish oil must do something pretty potent. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of uh, research that looks at it helping with joint pain and inflammation depending Brain. on. I cognitive performance, brain health in general, depending on what the ratio ratios ratios are for the ratios. The ratios. We're making up new words <laughs> for uh, the DEA and EPA that are in it. You want to make sure that you're getting a quality one. There's a lot of them out there that end up being rancid because of how they're stored. Yeah. Um. So doing a little bit of research to find one, but. It can benefit eye health, it can benefit skin health, it can benefit hair, it can benefit brain performance, it can benefit uh, heart health, joint health. I mean, there's a huge list yeah. that it is beneficial for depending on what your diet already looks like. Yeah. So if you're someone who is getting those types of nutrients yeah, already in the diet. If you're eating salmon four times a week. Yeah, you, you <laughs> yeah. might not need it. You might not <laughs> yeah. need very much. Yeah. Um, and if you're someone who isn't able to eat those things, like let's say you can't have seafood, for some reason, but you're able to have fish oil. I don't know what kind of category that would fall into. Hmm. Um, yeah, that's a nice supplement to put in there. But again, find a quality one. Yeah. As far as the multivitamin, I, I'm a strong believer that even though people want, especially like nutritionists and dietitians, want you to get all of your micronutrients from your diet, mm-hmm. it doesn't happen. It just doesn't. And if you are hitting some of them. There's others you're not hitting. I right. I don't I I personally like I don't think I've ever met anyone that hasn't found out that they had some sort of deficiency at some point, mm-hmm. you know. And we're talking about athletes that eat really fucking good compared to the normal population. Right. So if we're that way, how's the normal population? You know. And I understand that ha- taking the multivitamin shouldn't be a replacement for that. Like you mm-hmm. should still strive yeah. to do it. But in my mind, considering the number of micronutrients that you might be missing out on a consistent basis and the way that the body is able to control that, like if you go mm-hmm. over a little bit, yeah, um, it's able to flush that out yeah. um, with a majority of them, then why not put yourself, in my opinion, in a little bit of excess on some of them that you are getting mm-hmm. and then hitting that minimum line for the ones you aren't? Yeah. But same thing with that. Like I would look at what the quality of the multivitamin is, how much of that are you actually absorbing yeah. with it? Because I know there are some out there that they claim that they have a good percentage on things, 
but you look at the bioavailability of it and mm-hmm. like it's a waste of money mm-hmm. and just pure waste the, i think there if it's still there there was a site for a while that had a list of some pretty common ones and it, it they tested them mm-hmm. to see how strong they are you know how potent they were or whatever um so yeah you can you can probably find research on that i think i want to i can't remember it off the top of my head but i know there was somewhere where they did a lot of research on that figuring out but um you know i'll have clients all the time they'll say that too it's like they don't eat their vegetables because they take their multivitamin or they no. they have their little greens yeah. shake or something it, that's all well and good to take that it's to supplement a diet right that is a supplement it supplements your diet it, it, it's not you know you want to come into the gym and be like well, I'm not going to squat today, even though I'm a power lifter and I need to squat. I'm not going to squat. I'm just going to do lunges. And <laughs> I think lunges will really help me with my squat like that, that I don't even need to squat. No, you want to do that. Right. right. It's the same fucking thing. Right. So you want to do some accessory movement in place of the compounds completely forever. No, it doesn't work that way. It's to supplement the main movement the other one i would look at from the quality aspect is look at what type that they have for the different nutrients in there Mm -hmm. so an example that this happens quite a bit i'll have athletes who ask about magnesium as a supplement yeah there's was there three different kinds oh there's there's more now uh like six is there uh oxide glycinate three and eight uh malate citrate yeah there's another one in there i can't remember but magnesium oxide, like the body doesn't absorb at all. Mm-hmm. It's often what they'll use sometimes as a laxative. Yeah. Because it just like flushes right through you. Yeah. But it's cheap. So when you look at magnesium complexes and it says, oh, it has 500 milligrams of magnesium, but it doesn't specify on the front. And you flip it over and look at the back and it's like 50 milligrams of citrate mm. and 450 milligrams of oxide. Yeah. So your body's not getting really anything from it. Yeah. So when you look at the multivitamin, look at what the compounds that they use are, because a lot of them, because there are so many in there, are really cheap versions that you can't absorb well. Yeah. So often, instead of doing a multivitamin, I'll have the separate nutrients that I want that I'll take individually, because you can usually find a higher quality individual nutrient, Mm -hmm. even though it's a pain in the ass to put it all together yourself. I get it. The multivitamin's way more convenient. But finding one that has the versions that you want at the quality that you want. Yeah. And, you know, that takes a little bit of research and work too. Yeah. Yeah. Big on, uh, you know, even some of the supplements you're taking, like pre-workouts and that, start looking up the what's actually in it. You know what I mean? And not just, you know, you have your nutrition label, but even the breed, if they have small print or like, this uh they'll they'll list like other things that are in it Mm -hmm. or like you said sometimes they'll list ratios and then you find out like well there's really not shit in it then you know what i mean like um this the problem with the supplement industry it's not it's not a regulated thing so you can almost have (laughs) anything inside of there um now sure they'll ban you after a while right like jacked 3d got banned Mm -hmm. still sad because it was if you never got to experience jack 3d then that sucks because it's an amazing pre-workout the dmaa it uh got you pretty wired let's just say that you were ready to go 
See, I caught it right after it changed, and mm. I didn't know that it changed, but I heard everybody talking about how amazing it was. Yeah. So I went and bought it, took it, and I was like, this is shit. <laughs> Why was everyone so excited about it? Like, this isn't anything. Yeah. Turns out, yeah, I caught it right after they changed the formula. Yeah. I, uh, that. that was like my go-to when I was like in uh, late teens, like military when I was mm-hmm. in military. oh my god it even matter work us forever i'll just oh, take i'll just take jack and i'll be ready to fucking go, go again <laughs> did you ever hear of or take craze craze i don't think i took craze they had a supplement in there that was a kind of a derivative of the dmaa like jacked mm. but since it was technically a different uh chemical formula mm. it wasn't banned yet um but it wasn't far off of like synthetic methamphetamine oh so I, I was in this study that used that as part of a pre-workout, and they wanted to see how well it worked. Yeah. Um, like at some point, look it up, and we can talk about it at a different time because it's a fantastic story of taking this stuff. Dane was up for five days. <laughs> Basically. But no, like, um, then they had the same kind of thing where they had to pull mm-hmm. it, change the formula, come back, and it wasn't anything like the original. Yeah. But yeah, at some point, I'll tell the story of being addicted to craze (laughs) get all the work done even that uh the try remember what's in the live large pre-workout um oh pea like i'm focused i feel like i'm on adderall when i take Mm -hmm. like the first time a couple times i took it i remember i was in the gym and I was like answering emails, like answering my clients online, texting people, talking to people, lifting. Like I was all over the place. Mm-hmm. Just like I could function and manage it all. And um, I've I've literally taken like half scoop, scoop of that stuff just to work through the day sometimes. Mm-hmm. But and then, then cognitively, I learned, those things are fantastic. Then I learned I can't take it because I won't. My mind won't shut off and I can't sleep. Yeah. Like if I'm if I'm on it for a while taking it all the time that I, fa- I started to notice I can't sleep at night because I'll literally sit there and like I even tried to like write down or like notebook out my thoughts and stuff and mm-hmm. it just wouldn't stop. I was constantly on to the next thing thinking. That's, so. a, that's a good point with the uh, multivitamin. If you have like a multivitamin multimineral, mm-hmm. there are times where it'll have things in there that you as an individual don't need. Yeah. And if you start to get excess, uh, I think copper or some of the other minerals it'll be difficult for your mind to like wind down at night. So if you're someone who all of a sudden you have like racing heart or like racing thoughts and you can't seem to shut down, it could be important to look at not just what's going on in your life, but like Mm -hmm. what did you change supplement wise recently? I think, you know, that's why I'm glad a lot of, a lot more companies starting to come out with like non-stim stuff as well, because you're, especially people that are already on like PEDs and stuff, you're already jacked up as it is. You know, um, for a lot of people, sleep is difficult. It's just side effects of it. So it's good that a lot of, uh, they said a lot of non-stem stuff coming out for people that can't handle, Mm -hmm. you know, even me, like I'm pretty sensitive to caffeine because I don't drink it every day. I don't Mm -hmm. drink, not like a religious coffee drinker. I don't take caffeine every day. Um, for workouts, most workouts now I take caffeine, but like, um, you know, it doesn't take much. Whereas most people, you know, like one of those bangs, 300 milligrams or something. Uh, most people, I'm like, they're, you know, that drink coffee every day and stuff, they're good. They're great. Yeah. Me, it's like if I'm drinking those all the time, I'll be 
be wired. I'll be good. Walking heart attack. Yeah. So that's why, like, most of the time I try to do the monsters or, like, I'll split the bang with Lindsay or something Mm -hmm. because I'm too sensitive to caffeine. But, all right. uh, Any announcements? Um trying to think of uh, there's some things coming up behind the scenes we'll throw those out there at some point just some things with meats and and stuff um nothing finalized yet so i don't want to give out details too much yet i know um dan's trying to coordinate a olympic lifting meet for the spring here so okay there'll be a lot coming out on meat stuff in the next month or two with olympic lifting powerlifting meets and stuff so speaking of dan does have his Olympic weightlifting for CrossFitters here at Unrivaled Strength. Uh, if oh, anyone listening is local in the area, yeah. that's on Saturdays at 1230. Mm-hmm. $15 for a drop-in. Yeah, I'll be, um, I'm telling you, one of my biggest regrets when I was doing CrossFit was not going and seeing Dan more. Um, I went to his, like a two-day seminar, mm-hmm. whatever, to learn to lift, you know, do the Olympic lifts yeah. better. But I wish I would have actually just drove up to his club and dropped in or whatever mm-hmm. um it probably would have changed the game completely so um you know don't say you're serious about your performance or say you're serious about your fitness if you're not going and seeing the coaches you need to see so that's kind of my motto on it yeah so even if you're not looking to be a like strong competitor like just learning how to move better yeah. and be better like automatically you will why, get more out of your workouts well, yeah why well, that's the thing why wouldn't you want to move better to recover better, to get more out of your workouts, mm-hmm. to essentially, if you are going to a CrossFit gym or wherever, you're not wasting your money as much. Do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you're not wasting money on something that you're frustrated with or can't get good at when all you need is the proper slower coaching to help you. Mm-hmm. And then next thing you know, you're the best Olympic lifter in there. Boom. You know? It's magic. So, all right. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. The throwdown, uh, I, I keep saying it. We keep putting it on social media. Um, Thoroughbred throwdown, October 16th. I think there's 16 spots left. So okay. um, I put out there, there's about one flight. I, I checked it. It's 16 spots. So um, not too many more left. That one should sell out, we're thinking. Um, the fall brawl, if you want to get on the wait list, you know, uh, based on what we saw in the Kentucky Open, there might be some dropouts. We had people dropping out. Um, you know, that last month. So it's not to say that you couldn't get in. I know it sucks to like not fully prepare for one, but, um, you know, we might be able to sneak some people in, but if not, there's some, uh, some fun meets coming up after that in the spring. So, all right. Yeah. That's it for today. Have a good one.